You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, we can't get fooled again. Hey, what's up, everybody? How you doing? This is Ben Kissel along with Travis Morningstar. I'm just slathered in CBD balm right Are now. Are you really? Yes. You're, the CBD balm that was here at the studio. Yeah, I decided to slather it all over my body, and I'm reading about Chinese surveillance programs. Right. I, I'm just the zeitgeist embodied in a person. I am 2019. Interesting. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about Chinese surveillance here in a minute. Um, Hick vision. Hick vision. Hick vision. It's, it not, is it's, not, it's not Jeff Foxworthy uh-oh. saying uh, <laughs> you might be a Muslim extremist. Uh-oh. If you have Hick vision, I suppose. Travis, I'm so happy you're here to pick up the hacky joke slack because yeah. usually that's my job. No, you, you have to you have to men- mention Jeff Foxworthy. By the way, we of were course. at the uh, Eccles Theater. In, Eccles Theater, yeah. In where was that? Salt Lake City? Sure. And the merch person was telling me that uh, Ron White was performing the night before. I love Ron White. And I was asking her about the merch and uh, they Ron White has so much good merch. He's it, a great guy. He's got a great merch. Um, he's got a bunch of merch. You know, he was always the more liberal person on the, what was it called? Uh, Dinky the, Donks of Comedy. The Donkeys of, of Country Comedy. Yeah, what was that What was that called? The, the, the White Guys Are Still At It Comedy Tour. What, um, the great something. The Marlboro Men of. I have no country. clue. <laughs> Either way. Well, now we have to find the name of that uh, comedy tour. I mean, on, honestly, Ron White. He can spin a yarn, folks. The you got Blue it. Collar Comedy Tour. That's right. The Blue Collar Comedy Tour. Yes, Eccles Theater was absolutely wonderful. I don't know what the point of was that you brought. And what was the point of bringing that up, Travis? Do you recall? Uh, hold on. I'm going to look up Ron White merch real quick. Okay. Now, why are we looking at Ron White's merch? Uh, let's see. For the sake of... because It is a political show. So, so yeah. So, here's some... Well, this is all political Oh, it's merch. political merch. Okay, uh, this is Ron. We'll get to shirts. Some, okay. I, I had the shirts. Remi- I had the right to remain silent, but I didn't have the ability. Well, that, a little, little, little glass of scotch there. Well, that's a story that he talks about when he got arrested in New York and he got kicked out of a bar because he was wearing a cowboy hat and being belligerent because you got to have a little fun. One of them says you can't fix stupid. And that's another one of his jokes, yeah. 
Yeah. If you quit listening, I'll shut up. Well, you know he's a classic guy. That's the whole thing. And just your classic tater salad. There's just sort of tater like, salad. There's just sort of like potatoes on shirts. Well, that was another. That's an extension of the joke that he did regarding getting kicked out in New York City. They asked him for his uh, nickname, and his nickname was Tater Salad because he got arrested. I don't know how I know all of this, by the way. Uh, he got arrested way back in the day by a buddy cop of his, and the cop asked him if he had any aliases, and he said they call me Tater Salad. And then when he was arrested in New York, they said, is your name Ron Tater Salad White? Therefore, he has a joke, or he has a t-shirt, rather, that says, call me Tater Salad. I seriously have no idea how I have all of that information <laughs> right off the top of you my head. Fit in, you would fit right in at the Ron White VIP experience. Hey, buddy, I would absolutely love it. Well, we actually have some real stuff to get to. First and foremost, I want to say this. You know, I had one of those dreams last night. It was very surreal. Mm-hmm. It felt like, uh, you know, it felt like when I woke up, I was waking up into a dream and I, the dream world was reality. Right. And it was me. I was hanging out with Kevin Barnett, KB, Bird Luger for life. We were just having a good time. The dream was so normal. We were literally just having beers, uh, shooting the shit, just like chatting. Um, and I woke up and I was like, oh, bummer. It's unlike a horror, like when you have a scary movie dream yeah. or like when you have a, um, a nightmare, you wake up and you're like, thank God. Or like Henry had a dream recently where he killed both of his parents and then he woke up and he was like, well, it's a good thing I didn't kill both of my parents because uh, that would really hurt the pe- the podcast network we yeah. have. Well, I've always said that to both Marcus and Henry. No murdering of anyone's parents because that is just going to hurt our bottom line here well, at the last <laughs> podcast network. But I will say I woke up dreaming about Kevin and I said, oh. I wish that that was reality and uh, the real world was a dream. So I just wanted to say, if you're going through any kind of loss out there, you lose a buddy, you lost a family member, a brother, a sister, a mom or a dad, or a pet. We had one of uh, one of our listeners out in Kansas City DM'd me. Because, um, of course, when we do our live shows, when Henry goes to do a little costume change, I roll over to the microphone with the microphone, with my microphone in my hand. And I, we talk about Bird Luger a little bit, and I let everyone know we're together and all this, the last podcast family. And a dude emailed me, DM'd me on Instagram, at Kissel one Let's get those Instagram numbers up. I heard that is a total extension of one's success and happiness. Neither of that is true. Um, but he was saying that he just lost a cat. He said he lost his kitten and he was very sad because the cat was quite old and he had been with the cat for like going on like 20 years or so. And he said, um, it's not just about people. It's about animals as well. And he thanked us, thanked me for, for mentioning that. So I just want to let you all know out there, if you're going through anything, it does, it never gets, um, better. It gets a little easier, but it's always sad. But anyway, folks, just, just a reminder. We're all in this together. Everyone's going through their own struggles, trials, and tribulations. And we will keep on trucking along because we must until the day the devil calls us home. Um, all right. Well, let's get to some weird stories here. I want to talk. I guess there's some goofier stories going on. Um, for example, we find out we we kind of found out how much Donald Trump's golf outings are costing the American taxpayer. We'll talk about that. It's a big number. 
Um, Elizabeth Warren and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, I'm not going to give this too much oxygen because it's just more of a stupid little side thing. But uh, Ocasio-Cortez did say that the Game of Thrones finale sucked so bad because it was written by men. But then we also have to remember J.R. Token. Um, is it J.R.R. Token? Uh-huh. Is it double R's? Yeah, are you talking about George R.R. R. Martin? Nah, whoever the hell wrote the damn, uh, what is it? Game of Thrones? Whoever, is it George R. Martin? George R. R. And Martin. And J.R.R. Token. <laughs> Tolkien. He, Tolkien, he wrote uh, Lord of the Rings. Yes. I can't keep it all up. I can't keep it all uh, straight in my head there. George R. Martin, he, he created the whole damn thing. Mm -hmm. And it's only because he stopped writing it. That's why the finale sucked so bad. So they're just kind of talking out of their ass. But, you know, it's a little bit, uh, a little good. It's it's kind of a fun story for a little humor, if you want to infuse a little humor. I mean, I, I watched the first couple of episodes of the first season recently just to sort of get back into that mindset. Uh -huh. And it starts with uh, Amelia Clark just, like, completely disrobing Why for, for extent, like, just just the camera is just resting on her naked body and I'm was like, it a hot was it hot in the room what's going on no it's it's she's with her brother in uh -huh. this first scene in the, oh, in the show very angelina jolie and yeah. whatever the name of her brother was they yeah made out billy of the bob uh wait, no that's no, billy bob no, Thornton. that's her that was her husband yeah that's the guy that they both wore vials of each other's blood yeah they were having fun yeah blood fun. but well, uh, sure. that's, no I mean, but if you're like, gonna wear a diamond folks if you're gonna be wearing one of these zales diamonds they're blood diamonds they were all they were all harvested by children, and they're, those children are crying. They're thirsty. They're hungry. Their fingers are bleeding. Also, you can go and tell your girlfriend that you went to Jared's. Um, those are blood diamonds, <laughs> uh -huh. folks. So you know what? Skip the metal, man. Just wear blood. Exactly. Why not? Who needs the diamond? It's a. It's just. It, you know, it can blind a, a, a driver. You're in a two lane a two lane highway. One direction uh, south. One direction north. Next thing you know, the the sun catches your diamond necklace or whatever. You just blinded a driver. Now he's dead. You've killed five people with but your purchase of a Zales or Jared's my diamond. My point being, right. from the first episode, it is very clear that this is written. By a man well, and directed by men. There's nothing wrong with nudity. What is wrong with this country? We live in such a puritanical between between the hard left and the hard right. I'm just like I, that's why I like going to Germany when I was a kid. You know, in Germany, in Europe, beaches they don't even sell bikinis. They don't even care about bikinis. They're like it's all nude all the time. And the guys, I'll tell you one thing. I saw a lot of danglers when I was over there growing up. And let me just tell you this. Those Germans, I understand why they were so confident. Because they do have. Sure. They got some meat on them. Sure. And I remember being in eighth grade, walking around one of these spas. I didn't know it was supposed to be naked. I certainly wasn't naked. Most prepubescent kids are not naked. And yes, I was prepubescent in eighth grade. I know everyone wants to hear that. Everyone wants to hear about my pube, my pube growth. This is going to be a cornerstone of my future political campaign. Um, but in eighth grade, I was a late bloomer. Mm -hmm. Somewhere in my shorts. And next thing you know, I'm like, oh, I didn't realize this was something that nudity was allowed or accepted or uh, preferred. I didn't know nudity was preferred at this uh, hot springs spa. Next thing you know, I'm looking at boobies. Uh, there's there's dongs all around. I couldn't get well, out of the water for two hours. They sunbathe in the nude during uh, lunch well, they breaks. Well, they have fun. They but have fun. I went to uh, kindergarten in Germany, actually. Uh -huh. And my parents also noticed the, the, the culture of nudity. And so when we would go to these big parks in Germany, 
my parents would take to removing my clothes and then sending me out into the park with the other naked kids. And I remember going through a large garden maze naked mm-hmm. as a child, running into other naked German children who were mm. trying to find the exit to this maze and then running into them. Their, our naked bodies All colliding. All right, buddy. Well, this isn't some <laughs> sort of bizarre fan fiction that you're writing. This isn't some Larry Craig fanfic hour. Um, but yes, my parents told me that I could wear clothes and I was quite happy about that. Right. Um, because I've always been extremely hesitant to remove any kind of clothing. That's why it was quite a shock if you get a chance to watch this week's last stream on the left on adultswim.com, you'll notice I'm wearing shorts. And that was a pretty, pretty big deal. All right, well, let's get to something that doesn't involve nudity, shall we? We. I also want to talk about how John Hopkins, they did a research study. Now, this is about a year ago. It was November of last year, but it has to do with Bernie Sanders' education plan. And I want to talk about it. It's it's uh, discussing how African-American teachers, right now they make up only 7% of the mm-hmm. American teacher workforce. They talk about how much of a positive impact uh, African-American teachers or folks of color can have when it comes to teaching, can have on students of color, African-Americans, and so on. Um, So I want to talk about that because it ties in with Bernie Sanders' education policy. And he's still talking about desegregating schools. And you might think, well, wasn't this settled? Wasn't this settled with George Wallace losing and all this kind of stuff uh, over there in Alabama? Well, it turns out it really was not. We still have a lot of segregation in this country. And as we talked about on last week's episode regarding how these schools get their money, you know, regarding the way that we tax municipalities and how we funnel that tax money into school districts. It is all predicated on the price of homes, on the home market, and that is why we see so much consistent and continual decay in the American public school system, specifically in Uh, lower-income neighborhoods and neighborhoods that have a lot of African-American folks in them. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And then, as we mentioned up top, we're going to discuss uh, something that's actually interesting regarding Donald Trump's horrible trade war. Um, Obviously, we have the farmers. They're going to be getting a whole bunch of cash. Stick around for uh, to hear that number. It's bigger than last time. And we're also going to talk about the U.S., considering blacklisting China's HIC vision, that's H-I-K vision, H-I-K vision, that of course is the technology that they are using to spy on their civilians, and of course that's going to be a cornerstone, a cornerstone to their um, social credit system uh, that's going to be taking place here in the very near future. We're already almost in June. Oh, it'll be on your doorstep. It, it is. It is on the doorstep. You just got to open it up and uh, and uh, you'll be spied on 24-7 by the Chinese government if you're in China. Also a story that is never really covered in the States, what they've already done when it comes to religious liberties, Christians, Muslims, uh, Jewish folks, um, any religion other than the support of the communist regime, of course, led by Xi Jinping, is outlawed. People are imprisoned, um, tortured, uh, their lives are ruined uh, because they want to hold a different faith than the one that state 
sanctioned. Uh, and again, I'm not a religious guy, but then do whatever the hell you want, though. You have the right. Um, but first, we'll get to all that. But first, I want to just read this interesting little article I saw in the New York Times regarding the candidates right now running for president. So the question is, how much political experience matters? How much does political experience matter when it comes to who's going to be elected president? Because we have around 23. I think we're at 23 now. Um, The dude from Montana just announced as well. Uh, you know, and if he can carry Montana, he's got himself at least yeah. five electoral college votes right dude, there. I mean, dude, that's huge. Dude from Montana 2020. Dude from Montana 2020. So the question is, what was the highest previous position held by a presidential candidate who then went on to be president? We have right now seven senators. We have seven senators in the race. Uh, obviously, Cory Booker, uh, Klobuchar, Harris, Warren, Gillibrand, Bernie. Um, we have seven candidates in the race, and seven presidents have been elected after they were senators. House members, we got six in the race here. Obviously, Beto being one of them, uh, Tulsi Gabbard. Uh, you know, we got some more folks in there as well. Only two House members. Uh, have become president, and the last House member to become president was 1880, and that, of course, was Congressman James Garfield, and I only mention it because his last name is the very controversial cartoon cat Mm -hmm. that is indeed Garfield. Now, governors actually have the best chance of becoming president. We got John Hickenlooper out there. We got the dude out of uh, Washington out there. The last time a governor was elected was in the year 2000, and of course that was George W. Bush. Remember that, the glory Mm -hmm. days? A mayor, obviously now we got the Blasio, we got Buttigieg. How many mayors do you think have been elected president? Two. It's never happened, Travis. Really? The answer is zero. Never a mayor, which I actually thought was kind of interesting. Um, Cabinet member, uh, that's Castro out of uh, Texas. Uh, Six cabinet members have been elected president. And vice presidents, obviously, that's Joe Biden. Five vice presidents. General officers, four. And the candidates with no political or military experience, there has only been one. And that man currently occupies the White House. And there you got your Andrew Yangs and people like that. So it's interesting to think about this from the perspective of how do you put yourself in the best position to become president? And I think with senators having, you know, a large um, seven people that were elected president and in a field of only 45 folks, you know, Mm -hmm. that's a pretty good percentage. And obviously Joe Biden, we could put as a senator as well, um, but obviously as well as a vice president. Um, It looks as if you position a lot of people take the political tract of positioning themselves running for Senate winning the Senate seat, and then you start to entertain more of the idea of running for president. And it seems more difficult, obviously, for House members. But without a doubt, the best chance you have to become a president of the United States is to be a governor. And that makes sense. I mean, it's an executive position. You're in the executive branch. Basically, you're a micro version of a president so i do understand why folks I mean, would look at governor would look at someone who was a governor and say well hey at least they have executive experience which 
obviously, as we saw in the year 2000, doesn't mean you're going well, to have look, the best policies around. Look at the year 2016. We have Oogie Boogie in office, and it doesn't really matter what your your political well, offices that you held well, before. Well, he could be doing a bit better, you, I think, you, so it you does. You would be better off uh, being a YouTube makeup tutorial person at this point to to get the presidency. Like, it, it doesn't matter. It's the, the rule book it was thrown matters. out. It matters. Uh, Air Bud could become president. Well, Air Bud would be an mayor. Air Bud would be the best president in this country's history. And, of course, a lot of people or uh, a lot of municipalities do have animals for mayor. I believe there was just a dog mayor or a cat mayor recently that passed away. That really sent that local community in a tailspin. Right. And they were was... like, what are we going to do? Our leader is gone. I mean, it was really on par with the JFK assassination, from my understanding. <laughs> and, no, it wasn't Grumpy Cat. R.I.P. Moment of silence. Moment of silence, grumpy cat. Um, all right, so that's, I just thought that was kind of interesting, thinking about the perspective of, like, how the hell do presidents get there? And it seems as if executive experience is the way to go. Second is senator experience. And uh, third is vice president experience. Obviously, the VP having executive experience as well. That is why when you hear the argument about Joe Biden, Experience, experience, experience. And after 76 years, he has some. Yeah. I think that's fair to say. So that is why a lot of people uh, put him in uh, the top spot. And obviously, uh, the polling data tends to back that up. Um, All right. Well, let's go on to a different presidential candidate. Uh, Let's talk about Bernie Sanders. I want to discuss a little bit about his education policy, specifically when it comes to discrimination and school segregation. I think this is really interesting here. So it's been 65 years since Brown v. Board of Education. Um, Obviously, that desegregated the schools or supposedly uh, desegregated the schools. Um, But of course, as we see uh, time and time again, they managed to sort of manipulate what that means. They have very specific carve-outs, and again, segregation in our schools still exists. 300 school districts are currently still under desegregation orders, and the Supreme Court has curtailed the government's power to address them. This is actually happening right now uh, when it comes to segregated schools, specifically under the Secretary of uh, Education. Betsy DeVos, of course, her brother there runs Blackwater. Blackwater, the Prince of Blackwater. Oh, that's that's great. Just when the Prince of Nottingham (laughs) said, "I'm the baddest," and then all of a sudden, the Prince of Blackwater came came and said, "I've killed more people than you have." And he said, "Good point. You can be the worst in the world." Um, So under Betsy DeVos, they have decided to peel back the civil rights investigations, and they have dismissed hundreds of them very uh, quickly, very much in short order. And we're seeing this when it comes to symbolic racism. Obviously, Donald Trump is great at it's not even a dog whistle. Right. He's yelling. Yeah. Um, When it comes to people who support him, uh, again, that also just sort of like to see others uh, worse off than them. Uh, They look at this and they say, good. Thank God. Donald Trump and his administration with Betsy DeVos at the head of education is at the very least 
hurting other people more than they're hurting me. And, and we see this specifically when it comes to what's going on right now. This is different than education, but in some ways it does tie to education. What's going on with Harriet Tubman and the $20 bill? Right, right. Obama said, yo, in 2020, we're going to get Tubman on the 20. Okay. That's not, a, I don't give a, as long as the 20 is worth $20, uh, that's all that matters to me. Um, I don't care who is on it. And quite frankly, uh, having a change of pace would not be a bad idea whatsoever. And any Anyone who is so offended by the idea that Harriet Tubman would be on the $20 bill, I don't think they have a lot of $20 bills in their pocket anyway. Right. Uh, not to sound like an elitist there, but uh, it is ridiculous to me. But it's those sorts of things that, that people look at and they say, yeah, well, at least we're still doing better than them. And this goes back to what I think about regarding Donald Trump's entire social policies, all of you know, the immigration, education, uh, when it comes to the trade war. I talked about this on Dana Perino's show on Fox News this week, and I mentioned it uh, on Yahoo Finance. Yahoo, they do they do news. I was on there for a full hour today. I knew Yahoo did answers. I know, they do news. They not only have answers, they also, I guess, have questions. I don't know. Is there it, news like woman pregnant with ghost? No, we didn't get in. Uh, we didn't a, get did, any spectrophilia. That's, that's a hot topic. I know, I know. Of course, um, no, we didn't get into that. It was more about like <laughs> finance. <laughs> yeah, because it was called Yahoo Finance. Oh, okay. Thanks to DoorDash for supporting today's top hat. Let me tell you, the last thing I want to do after a long day at work is cook dinner and make a bunch of dirty dishes. That's why tonight I'm treating myself with my favorite meal from my favorite restaurant delivered on demand with DoorDash. DoorDash connects you to all your favorite restaurants in your city, and ordering is easy. Just use the DoorDash app and choose what you want to eat, and your Dasher will bring it right to you wherever you are. Not only is that burger place you love on DoorDash already, but over 310,000 other amazing restaurants are too. DoorDash connects you with door-to-door delivery in over 3,300 cities and all 50 states across the U.S. and Canada. Order from your local go-tos or choose from your favorite chains like Chipotle, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, and the Cheesecake Factory. Don't worry about dinner. Let dinner come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code TOP. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter promo code TOP. Again, that's promo code TOP for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. But when it comes to, uh, you know, Donald Trump... And the notion of, yeah, you're not doing great, but they are doing worse. It's this schadenfreude view of politics. That's what Donald Trump has, is the schadenfreude view of politics. So you look at the Chinese trade war, which we're going to talk about in the context of farmers here in a second. Um, the farmers will say, yes. Maybe maybe you're not doing great because everyone admits Larry Kudlow, this guy who I know used to work with Reagan, had, did a lot of cocaine. But, you know, I'm not going to judge him for that. Seems like the coolest thing he ever did. They're talking about how, yeah, the American people are going to get a hit. They are going to take a hit. 
But it's going to be harder on the Chinese. Schadenfreude economics. This whole notion that, yeah, I'll sacrifice a little bit for my country as long as they're doing worse. And, of course, Xi Jinping has a hell of a lot more room to make his people suffer because he ain't going anywhere anytime soon. And dare the people protest in China. Yeah. Uh, that's not really going to work out too well in their favor. So the Chinese government is like, okay. You know, yeah. we'll we'll let our people suffer a little bit more because they're doing Tr- worse in America. They're both using this sort of Schadenfreude yeah. logic, and it's it works with some. Trump's approach to to politics is like if you're on a plane with a baby and everyone's angry at you for the crying pa- crying baby, you just shake the baby more so that it cries more. I don't know why. I don't like it one one bit. So Bernie Sanders is talking about this. And he, he references this really interesting study when it comes to the need for not just desegregation in public schools when it comes to students, but also when it comes to an uptick uh, in more minority teachers. Now, this I thought was really interesting. It comes from John Hopkins University, and basically the research underscores the impact of black teachers on black students. So black elementary school students who have black teachers are significantly more likely to enroll in college. Uh, Again, this is according to a John Hopkins University study. So the National Bureau of Economic Research found that black students who have one black teacher by third grade are 13% more likely to enroll in college. Uh, And those who have two are 32% more likely. So basically, having one or two teachers uh, reduces the probability of African-American students dropping out by 29% for girls and 39% for very low-income black boys. Hopkins economics professor and study co-author Nicholas Papa George said this growing body of research shows how vital it is for students to have role models who resemble them. Uh, Black educators also can tap into their lived experiences when teaching, he said, in some cases allowing them to connect more deeply with African-American parents and students through, quote, a hidden curriculum. Black teachers show black children that college is something I can strive for because I've seen a college grad who looks like me. However, black teachers remain scarce in the United States despite the mounting evidence showing the benefits. Only about, as I mentioned, 7%, only 7% of public school teachers are black. In Baltimore, a district where African American children make up roughly 80% of the student body last year, only about 40% of its roughly, oh, dang near 5,000 teachers were African American. So it is important for when we talk about, you know, just having role models for people of all walks of life in the education system. And in no way am I attempting to demean any of the extremely hardworking teachers that go to work in the public school system of Baltimore, regardless of race, gender, sexual orientation. I don't give a crap. If you're in there teaching children, it's never going to be easy. But I thought it was an interesting study and something that I hadn't ever thought about before Mm -hmm. was actual representation by teachers in the classroom. Because so often we thought, we think, 
we talk about these things uh, in the context of the students. Yeah. Um, but uh, I just thought that was quite fascinating. And I thought it was interesting that Bernie Sanders decided to mention that when discussing education, which, of course, is why he is doing fairly well uh, with the African-American community, although the polling data isn't out quite yet to see uh, exactly how well he is doing. But of course, in 2016, we do have the data and he did do better uh, with the African-American community than Hillary Clinton did. did you, so did that, you, that, is, that is one of the reasons perhaps that he did so well. So this is what Bernie Sanders says. He said he will build on the Strength and Diversity Act to increase, not cut, federal funding for community-driven strategies to desegregate schools. He says he will triple Title I funding to ensure at-risk schools get the funding they need and end funding penalties for schools that attempt to desegregate, execute desegregation orders, and appoint federal judges who will enforce the 1964 Civil Rights Act in school systems, address disciplinary practices in schools that disproportionately affect black children. Now, that is also a really interesting sad phenomenon in this country specifically when it comes to how african-american black children are treated uh, they're kicked out at a much ho uh, higher rate uh, they aren't given nearly as many chances um, police are called much more often and i just know this personally when i was growing up i was horrible as opposed to now i'm so good um but we used to just do traditional you know we used to do traditional children childhood shenanigans. Mm -hmm. You know, my buddies were all kicked out after 9-11. They're not after 9-11. <laughs> we weren't doing acts of terrorism, okay? Um, after 420, April 420, 1999, 9-11 and Columbine are like fused in my head. I know, but it's like my 12 Saudi friends yeah, were kicked out. Yeah, they were all kicked out. Honestly, after 9-11, I probably would have lost some friends too, the way that we raged against the government um, in high school and in college and today. Um, but but um, <laughs> after Columbine, I lost a lot of friends uh, to, uh, you know, to the different, uh, to the changing of the moods. Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll call it a change of mood when it comes to accepting uh, more wild behavior. So I know for a fact that if I was not white, if I wasn't at a Catholic school, my parents were literally paying double because we weren't Catholic. Right. And we did not have a lot of money. So it was a hell of an expenditure. I know for a fact I would have been kicked out. Yeah. Uh, if I was in a public school in Detroit or something like that, the things that we used to do, you know, you can get away with certain things that you couldn't necessarily get away with uh, if you were more, if you were a part of more of a marginalized group. So I do think that that is something that has to be taken into account. How do people act or what are the ramifications for actions depending on the race of the person who committed those actions. And obviously, in a perfect world, we would say everything should be equal across the board. But we know for a fact, specifically, I learned when I was running for office here uh, in Brooklyn, New York, and that documentary is going to be coming out here sometime in the real near, near future. But I was speaking to a lot of parents, uh, some teachers, and they did express concerns over basically... I don't want to, it's not an elevator, 
It's a uh, it's just a, a a through system to the prison system. Conveyor belt. Conveyor belt. Sure, we'll call it a conveyor belt from the school, the classroom to the jail cell. It is just a thing that happens on a regular basis because these kids get caught up doing just normal kid stuff, maybe smoking a little weed, maybe they're drinking a little bit, maybe they get into a skirmish or two, something like that'll happen every now and again. Next thing you know, the police are called, they're being charged with misdemeanors, felonies, so on and so forth. They get sent over to Rikers and uh, your life is taking, your life can get out of control very fast if you are at a formative age and you get sent over to a place like Rikers Island. I don't know if anyone could ever recover once you see that side of humanity. The social workers that work at Rikers Island are just traumatized. Oh, absolutely. I know, I know a couple, and they are not only are you traumatized being in that system, right? But working in that area also oh. is a traumatic event. I just ran into my buddy Josh in Denver, and he is a social worker for the public school system. Uh, there in Denver, he was formerly a social, or not a social worker, the the head counselor. So he's the counselor. All the kids go to him with all of their problems. He's one of the most loving guys of all time. Hello, Josh. But he was talking about you know Milwaukee, how much worse it was than Denver. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Denver legalized it, and they got a lot more money for their education system. So he's like, there's a lot more money in Denver. It's still extremely difficult. But in Milwaukee, where there is no funding whatsoever, again, for the aforementioned reasons we've discussed previously regarding taxation, um, he's like, it was it was just a lot. It's just you're doing so much work with such a limited amount of resources, and it it seriously takes... I want to say it takes a Mother Teresa, but Mother Teresa was a total scam artist. Sure. But the idea of what Mother Teresa represented in the minds of billions of people, it really takes a saint um, to be able to do that job, to be a counselor to those children that are in a school system with zero resources. Um, And you can imagine the angst that goes into that. We still don't have... Uh, for example, we have children. Uh, there was just a story about a cafeteria worker uh, who was fired. She was rehired and since fired again um, because she was allowing someone who was well below the poverty line to get free lunch. They were like, that's against protocol. I'm like, well, you got to feed the damn kids. Don't I was you? definitely that kid. That, yeah, you have to feed yeah. children. That's like sort of a compo- isn't that a key component to mental and uh, physical health food? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I thought it was. Is there but- was there a, a teacher? I'm interested. Is there a teacher uh, that you were inspired by? Yes, there was a teacher I was inspired by. I had Mr. Thomas McCann. Uh, he is. It's so funny because I look at like their Instagram or I look at their uh, Facebook. Uh-huh. And I went to Catholic school in sixth grade through uh, high school before I went to public college, and before that I was homeschooled and went to my very bizarre Christian, very bizarre Christian school where we didn't exactly learn anything, sure. but we did read the Bible a lot. Oh, good. So um, you're unlearning things. Yes, I unlearned things. I got dumber in school, <laughs> which isn't that fun. Um, Mr. McCann, he was great. He was our um, world history teacher, or not world history. It was, uh, what do you call it? Social studies. Social studies. Yeah, there you go. My brain is so dead today, I guess. He we, he was our social studies teacher, and he really was an inspiration. He was my seventh grade teacher. Uh, we listened to uh, Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of teachers did this, but the song is pretty good. It's kind of, you know, it's like... Did it, did it, did it. Yeah. I don't, that's my did it. Am I a robot? I don't know. It's like an 80s wrap up of US. It, it really uh, is. So history. we would. T- so it really was an 80s. <laughs> it's an extremely 
like yeah. dense song. <laughs> it's also a so it's such a nerdy song. I just love that he wrote that. It's just like this is gonna be pretty cool. It's the nerdiest song ever because it really is. He's just basically like, rapping. It's a social studies book sung by Billy Joel. Yeah. So we we took that song line by line, went through the Kennedy assassination and all the other things that they had mentioned in there. So that was a really cool inspiration. And I actually used to stay late in his class. I didn't really want to go home. Um, for whatever for whatever reason that was. And so I used to just hang out with him until like 5 p.m. And then yeah. he would be like, you got to go. I don't even know if he liked me. I don't think he did. Um, but he was he was an inspiration. And then, as you know, I've mentioned her many times in high school. It was Mrs. Killsdonk, former Walmart teacher of the year. She was my home ec teacher. And she was one of my huge, she was a huge advocate for me. She was my Paul Heyman. And I was Brock Lesnar. <laughs> Um, she uh, she really was one of the main reasons why I wasn't kicked out of high school. My senior year, I think I was in three home ec classes each each semester or each quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, so I learned how to like cook, and then I guess some other life skills. But she was a saint, and she helped me out immensely. I only graduated high school because. Um, I think I was getting a D in home ec for some reason, but oh. if you see my apartment now, you'll get it. It's pretty messy. But um, she let me carry out Singer sewing machines to her car, and she gave me a C minus, oh, and I- then I was <laughs> able to graduate. And also, one teacher, Mrs. Miller, I actually liked Mrs. Miller as well. She was my math teacher. I mean, I think I failed every single time, and she was kind of mean in that way. She was also a vegetarian, um, but... Not necessarily in the greatest shape, but that doesn't matter. That's neither here nor there. Um, that's wonderful. She was she was a sweetheart. And other than that, no Shane Totten, the thirty point buck guy, <laughs> I, uh, bananas uh, at large. I I just made fun of. He, I didn't like. I wasn't friends with any of the teachers that were cool. Right. I was friends with like yeah, and and I always uh, I also have to thank. The high school secretaries, because I was sent to the office so much. Yeah. I used to hang out with the secretaries all the time. Cool. We had a great time. And because I hung out with them so much, I was in with the producers, which means announcements. Oh, I see. I was in with the announcement producers. This is my first Hollywood experience. Well, the proto-podcast is the the school school announcements. Exactly. So I was up there telling folks what's for lunch. I was giving, I was just whatever announcements it is. This school announcement is brought to you by Squarespace. Yeah, this is stamps.com, baby. And um, yeah, and that would be like, yo, dude, it's it's Goat Tuesday. <laughs> Everyone go out to the parking lot and look at the goat. I once, uh, it was really I w- fun. I once asked one of my favorite history teachers for uh, like an end of year uh, reading suggestion, like a, bo- a, a list of books that I should read. And she just replied to my email with uh, the sentence, uh, watch the wire. Oh, that's yeah. very good. Well, I'm happy you had such a great teacher. Yeah. Um, all right. Also, just, just briefly here, this is going back to Bernie Sanders. So we're talking about disciplinary practices and how they disproportionately affect black uh, children, specifically black boys. Um, he also wants to establish a dedicated fund to create and expand teacher training programs at HBCU's minority-serving institutions. Um, those are historically black uh, colleges and um, tribal colleges. Colleges and universities to increase educator diversity. Uh, he wants to increase funding for public magnet schools to one billion annually to help integrate our schools, fund school transportation to help integration, ending the absurd prohibitions that are in 
place. Um, so that's interesting. He also wants to end the unaccountable profit motive of charter schools. Um, and as you've talked about charter schools, there is um, that's a much larger conversation, but we will keep that going. Equitable funding for public schools. And he also wants to strengthen the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. So just a little bit on what Bernie Sanders has in mind when it comes to education reform, uh, specifically in this case uh, regarding the plight or the more difficult position uh, that many African-American students find themselves in simply because of the way that the system is set up. And indeed, the system is flawed and it needs to be changed. So, all right, let's just go on here. Was that That's a good little that's conversation there. Comprehensive. Comprehensive. Also, if you're out there and you're a teacher, thank you very much. There was a man that I met in Salt Lake City, Native American. Um, I believe he was uh, I think the Ute, the Ute tribe. Okay. Um, and he was talking about education with me briefly. And uh, without a doubt, the Native American community is still forgotten. They are in dire need of support, help, and financial assistance when it comes to education. The, what's going on on reservations is abhorrent. They're not getting nearly what they need to get for a proper education, you know, so they can have a little a little slice of the American dream. Um, it's supposed to be for everyone. The, the pie is supposed to be for all, and everyone's supposed to take a little slice out of it, and it is not the case. The and pie isn't a, showing up on their table. Here's a little sure. documentary recommendation, Waiting for Superman. I don't know if you've seen that, Ben. I did. It's very good. That's a, a good little investigation of the public school system. Absolutely. Um, all right. So that's a little education conversation. Let me know what you think. DM me at Ben Kissel one on Instagram. Admit it. You think that cybercrime is something that happens to other people. You may think that no one wants your data or that hackers can't grab your passwords or credit card details, but you'd be wrong. Stealing data from unsuspecting people on public Wi-Fi is one of the simplest and cheapest ways for hackers to make money. When you leave your internet connection unencrypted, you might as well be writing your passwords and credit card numbers on a huge billboard for the rest of the world to see. That's why I decided to take action. To protect myself from cyber criminals, I use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN secures and anonymizes your internet browsing by encrypting your data and hiding your public IP address. ExpressVPN has easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background of your computer, phone, and tablet. Turning on ExpressVPN protection only takes one click. Using ExpressVPN, I can safely surf on public Wi-Fi without being snooped on or having my personal data stolen. For less than $7 a month, you can get the same ExpressVPN protection that I have. ExpressVPN is rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar and comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash top hat. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash top hat for three months free with a one year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash top hat to learn more. 
Okay. Well, we talked about the trade war a little bit. Let's see what's going on here. Farmers, obviously, they supported Donald Trump. A pretty large margin of farmers supported Donald Trump, mostly for, again, the schadenfreude um, politics of our time. The White House has now announced a new aid package. Because of the Chinese sanctions, Chinese sanctions, Chinese trade war, obviously all of that, by the way, is going to trickle down to the consumer. Uh, This Republican idea of like lower taxes, please. A trade war is a tax. Oh, yeah. It's a tax. The money. The only thing that trickles down in our economy is the cost. And the thing that trickles up is the money. Um, The thing that trickles down is the cost, and the American consumer is going to be hit harder. You know, an extra two bucks here or there on random goods at a Walmart. Well, next thing you know, you got 50 or 60 goods. Boom, that adds up to 70, 80 bucks. So it's going to hurt people, and that's just in the large stores that can even keep their costs because of their margins, because their margins are so freaking crazy and huge, they can keep their costs slightly lower. But your mom and pop shop, they have no choice. They're going to have to hit the consumer with a higher priced product, and that is going to hurt their bottom line. This trade war is ridiculous uh, in that context. So the White House has said to the farmers out there, uh, we're, I know you're going to need some help. The White House is like, you're going to need some help. I'm not making America's farms great again. So they have decided to give these these farmers $16 billion in aid to keep them afloat as they reel from the year-long trade war between the U.S. and China Agriculture Secretary Sonny Perdue. That's what he told Reporters. So Sonny Perdue, the Agriculture Secretary of the United States, has said we're going to give him $16 billion. Uh, the bulk of the aid, uh, about $14.5 billion, is direct aid to farmers, which producers will start to see sometime this summer. That is according to Sonny Perdue, not to be confused with the uh, Chicago Bulls Center, Will Perdue. Um, This is what he had to say. He said, well, farmers themselves will tell you they'd rather trade than aid without the trade that has been possible. They're going to need some support. So we have this situation where a lot of these farmers have probably mocked people for taking welfare. Mm -hmm. Not that I'm going to I'm not, you know, maligning all farmers here or anything, but there's a large contingency of of the Republican base that mocks people for taking government oh, yeah. assistance. The idea Don't of you like think? a welfare queen or something. Like- exactly. Like in uh, in um, Glow. Yes. Great movie, great television series, Glow. With a, with a listener, as a matter of fact. Uh, Br- Brie, Brie Larson. Yes, Brie Larson. Wonderful. Um, yeah, the welfare queen stereotype. Blacks and minorities are taking the money, the, uh, the hard-earned money. Well, you know, some of the biggest welfare recipients in the country right now are farmers. And I'm sure, I'm assuming the vast majority, well, I'm assuming the majority anyway, would prefer not to have a trade war and not require this kind of aid. But if you look at the kind of subsidies we've given to farmers for decades now, they've been the largest welfare recipients for a minute. The sugar subsidies, the corn subsidies. I mean, you know, it's pretty crazy to think about. And we never really talk about government assistance in that context. We always have the sort of racial stereotypes, economic stereotypes of different groups of people in this country receiving food stamps and and all these kinds of things. Um, This is a massive, massive government expenditure, and it is a massive government handout, and it's a massive, it's government welfare, and again, it is all being created 
by Donald Trump and his administration. All of this is manufactured and none of this actually has to be happening. But it is because of, again, the schadenfreude economics uh, that Donald Trump has put in place. So they are going to be getting $16 billion from Trump. We'll see if that if this trade war is something. It's not popular. I mean, there are no winners in a trade war. Everyone knows it. We'll see if this does have a negative impact going forward in uh, into 2020, uh, because right now we haven't seen the full erosion of growth. Right now, the the economy is still growing. You know, we're at around like what uh, we're we're growing around four percent, three point five four percent, which is good. I mean, under Obama, we were around two two point five or so. Um, so we're do the economy is growing, but of course, and, uh, you know, unemployment is lower. Uh, but of course, we have to talk about wage stagnation and automation um, because those two things are uh, really a massive menace to the American uh, working class and uh, to Wall Street as well. So we'll see if Donald Trump is going to be able to still brag about the economy, and we'll see if Wall Street. Uh, stays as bullish as they have been, or will this trade war and the looming bubbles that are that are bound to burst, whether it be housing or student loan debt, the looming bubbles we'll just see when they do end up bursting. But the farmers, because of Donald Trump's trade war, will be getting $16 billion. So Purdue placed the blame for farmers' economic losses on China rather than the Trump administration's own hardline train tactics. Uh, he said, all of this would have been moot if China would have acted appropriately and fairly in many of the areas regarding intellectual property theft and non-tariff barriers that they have put up for many, many years. Now, of course, intellectual property theft is a very real thing. Mm-hmm. I do think we could probably deal with it uh, without having a trade war. But uh, that's just my thoughts on that. And again, we will see how that ends up playing out in the very near future. And just reading here, rising tariffs on $200 billion worth of Chinese imports will translate to an extra $831 in annual costs for the typical American household. You figure the typical American household is bringing in 47000 bucks. You just got, yeah. That's a that's a real hit, yep. eight and almost nine hundred dollars. That's a food budget for four months. Yeah, that's like uh, I mean that's six, crazy. That's like six or seven trips to the grocery store. That's like crazy. That. It's absolutely horrible. So anyway, um, the one thing regarding the tariffs that is interesting, and again, I believe they could do this without the sweeping tariffs that are out there right now. The U.S. is reportedly considering blacklisting Chinese surveillance tech firm Hikvision. This is what we mentioned earlier. The move by the U.S. would effectively place Hikvision on a U.S. blacklist, and U.S. companies may have to obtain government approval to supply components to Hikvision. The U.S. Commerce Department blocked Huai Technologies from buying U.S. goods last week. Hikvision and Dua Technology, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing everything, <laughs> which produce audiovisual equipment that can be used for surveillance, were specifically cited in a letter to Trump's top advisors last month, and it was signed by more than 40 lawmakers. The move would effectively place 
Hikvision, again, on a blacklist, the U.S. Commerce Department blocked Hua Technologies from buying U.S. goods last week, effectively banning U.S. companies from doing business with the Chinese firm. This is a major escalation in the trade war, saying Hua was involved in activities contrary to national security. The White House has not immediately responded with comment. Hikvision shares opened 10% lower, but an executive in the company's office told Reuters the company had not been informed of the possible U.S. blacklisting. So just to give some broader context here, Hikvision is central to China's surveillance state program. Yes. So they're like the Skynet of China as far as like right. the products that are actually doing the surveilling. Now, those products require American components from Silicon Valley, and that right. is why this, this blacklist is so crucial Yes. so vital and uh we have to think like hikvision is exporting so much of this surveillance technology to the rest of the world not only to china yeah and in china in the xi uh, xi jinping uh no the uh xinjiang province oh, okay. where 12 million uyghurs live uh, they're doing it's like a laboratory for surveillance programming so they now explain that again what are the uyghurs so the uyghurs are a muslim uh, a Muslim community that live in the the uh, western province in China, and they've lived there for thousands of years. But all, a couple hundred years ago, Chinese the the Chinese government sort of took over this land and start, tried to start integrating Chinese people into it to essentially eradicate this Muslim population. Okay, um, but instead of eradicating them, they're using them like lab rats in this sort of surveillance laboratory, and they've got secret police, they've got Horrifying. facial recognition software. They the the mosques in this uh, in this region are bugged. Like there's 200 cameras per every mosque, so you don't even have these uh, the Uyghurs going to pray to the at these mosques anymore because mm. they're so afraid of of getting clamped down on. They even have these like um, these big like jumbotrons in the cities where they show suspicious characters. They'll show your face and then wow. your your citizen ID number. And for apparently at first when they put these up, everyone was Disgusting. like, "Oh, look, I'm on I'm on the big screen." Like they were excited about it and then the government had to tell them, "No, that's because you're bad and we're we're letting the well, we're letting your neighbors know that you're actually a bad person in this right. community." Right. Well, the use of public shaming is a really interesting law enforcement technique. I mean, I think it's disgusting quite honestly. I understand they do like the pedophiles and stuff and I think that's a public safety thing sure. not, not so much a problem but i don't need to see your dui mugshot no these are i don't need to suspicious see suspicious characters yeah i don't need to see it i like you know whenever you you flip through one of these local papers when we travel around there's always yeah dui mugshot yeah, page yeah. and it just kind of breaks your heart it's just people at the lowest of their life and well, i don't care i don't need to see people like again going back to the concept of schadenfreude i don't get i don't make me happy but i don't give a crap if i i feel bad for them they made a mistake in this Uyghur community of about 12 million people, there are internment camps wow. happening right now. Between 800,000 and 4 million Uyghurs are in re-education camps. Uh-huh. And this is wow. this is all just sort of like a microcosm of what is going to happen in the rest of the world. Absolutely. Because Hikvision is selling this these these uh, surveillance products to the rest right. of the world and, of and course, testing them first on these people. You know, and it's really funny because we have we have surveillance the way that we succumb to surveillance is very interesting. As a matter of fact, on Yahoo Finance, I'll post that link on my Twitter, by the way, Ben Kissel on Twitter. Um, Amazon is offering people a $25 gift card 
to go to one of their facilities and get a 3D body scan. And they say that the body scan, this is a quote from the from Amazon, the company, they say it is for clothing. They say, so when people are on Amazon and they buy clothes, we can get just the right size. All, everyone that I saw today and... I think for the past 37 years walking around the streets, they found clothes that fit them. Yeah. I don't think that it is about finding clothing. I don't think so. No, I think it's about surveillance, facial recognition, full body recognition. Uh, it is unbelievable. So in this country, people will, some people who don't care about giving up their data, which is them, who they are, uh, will say, oh, it's a $25 gift card. Sure, I'll roll through, get my 3D body scan, give me that $25 gift card. I can get all the toilet paper and Clorox my house needs. Yeah, I'll give them my Yahoo email account. Sure, Cheesedoodle76, take it, I don't need it. Of course, why not? Um, so we have a surveillance state that is fully functioning in this country as well. However, it's not so much the government. Of course, that does exist with the NSA and all those sorts of things. But it really is the oligarchs. It's these huge corporations that are doing exactly, not exactly what the Chinese government is doing. Because, again, we're worshiping different gods here. Yes. But they are doing the exact same thing in theory and in technology. And as Travis pointed out, the fact that a lot of the equipment, the fact that a lot of the tech that the Chinese need for this Hick vision is coming from the United States... I think that should tell you that we got we got that pretty well figured out as well. Yeah, and it's just it is like an inadvertently good th sort of byproduct of this trade war. This, you know, it is Schadenfreude politics, like you said. He Trump is not worried about the Uyghur community. Of, no, of God G no. Uh, he, that's probably honestly that is something that he would probably approve. But he would be like, well, he is a strong man. I do like he's a strong man. Take he's doing the he's making the tough decisions. And also, just being an asshole. And certainly, Chinese the, the you know the the Chinese developers of these surveillance uh, uh, products will get around the fact that you know they need U.S. components. But any way to like check that that just growing influence of surveillance stuff is the best thing possible. I mean, the, in Ecuador, in Jordan, people are getting the same treatment that these people in Uyghur, in the Uyghur community are going to get. Wow. And they have they have secret police that use uh, that, you know, the Google Glass, like, uh, right. vision technology, where God. they're, they, I saw pictures of it, it is like really Minority Report stuff. Oh, startling. dude, it's all real. They're walking around and the uh, facial recognition glasses will tell you everyone's sort of history of crimes any history of suspicious behavior right and so they'll stop you if you're like buying a cantaloupe if you have some sort of suspicious item that flags you right. just because they see you and it comes up in their their database yeah it's interesting and of course we have uh we have our own issues when it comes to uh branding people criminal and uh and making that this a reality. Thought, no, it's thought crimes. They're really, they're really clamping down on thought wow. crimes. In, in just if that you, is brutal. If you are seen reading the Quran, right. that makes you a criminal in the eyes of the Chinese uh, officials. Of course, yeah, because you can worship one thing, the state. Yeah, a, a to B. Like, if that person's reading the Quran, are they going right. to become a Muslim extremist? Well, you know, can it's we... also it's just really interesting regarding China because they are in an economic boom as well. There's more middle class than for the first time ever. Really, China has a middle class, so there are people who are saying, "Well, you know, I'm yeah, I'm giving up everything." But at the very least, we got we got a little cash. We're living kind of middle class, comfortable lifestyles, and those are the people who are doing okay. Yep. And there are they're still monitored twenty four seven. Horrible. But then you have to think about the lower class of people, the the people, the religious minorities, economic minorities, and 
man, I would not want to be in their shoes. That is, that has got to be but really difficult. Essentially, this wave of surveillance is unstoppable, and in a couple of years, it's going to be in every country. Well, and and we that's why we have to be vigilant, pass legislation, get the right people elected in office, and make sure, obviously, the technology is there. But just because the technology is there does not mean uh, that we should be using it to, um, but for reg- to hunt down the American people. But for authoritarian regimes, this stuff must look so alluring. This is perfect. Because it is so well designed to capture everyone's movements and to and sort of delineate between... Uh, uh, minorities and sort of the larger population, you it's going to be awful. All so. right. There that is. And just lastly, a couple of goofier stories. So this is the Game of Thrones, obviously, at, uh, I guess, the final character, the, the female characters. They, they People were upset with the female characters. I don't know. It's none of it's real. But um, uh, this is according to Ocasio-Cortez. Uh, and, you know, I'm not trying to be like anything, but I just think this is one of those things that's quite frankly stupid. But she says, I feel like we're getting so close to having this ending with just women running the world. And then the last two episodes, it's like, oh, they're too emotional. The end. It's like, uh this was written by men, um, but it probably was created by a man. Um, but also, it's not like the she's in Congress. Well, you know, so I don't know. It is a little bit difficult for me to be like, yes, I understand. But it's like you are in Congress and just, you, you know, you're doing great. So just keep on crushing it. I don't think we need to uh, politicize Game of Thrones too much in well, the context of gender issues. Amelia Clark apparently watched a bunch of Hitler speeches to prepare for that episode. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that explains the mustache. Yep. Um. So Elizabeth Warren also weighed in. She says, I was even at the end willing to make a quick allegiance shift when Danny went nuts. I went over to Sansa. I don't Sansa. I don't know. I will redo my shirts, the whole thing. And yet Sansa, who already is queen of the North. Thank you very much. She walks away saying, and I'll still be queen of the North. Come on, Sansa, go for the big one. It makes me vomit. Honestly, I hate polit when politicians, it, this is not, this is, this is more dissing on Elizabeth Ward a little bit. And I, I, you know, I, I, I like a lot of what she's saying as well, but this, and this is, again, this is, superfluous this does not really matter this is yeah um but it is just like don't do it like don't make it don't ruin things just like let it let it be this is not this has nothing to do with you running for office like don't don't put everything through a domestic political lens because quite frankly it makes it filthy it's, because american politics is, are dirty it is and disgusting though. just it's leave it alone you, this is like the the twitter thing it's, i it, hate it, it. Pe- whatever people are talking about it's going to be no. it's going to be through the lens of politics jobs 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 economic uh, you know upward mobility just don't talk about game of thrones if no La- one cares if matlock was on tv and that was the big prestige thing we would be talking about but honestly about. this is what donald trump does he talks about dumb bullshit shows and i'm like shut up like i don't want anyone to, what does this matter this doesn't matter anyway and especially don't make it a gender issue because quite frankly it's a, a slap in the face to a lot of the real gender issues we have in this country um specifically when it comes to equal pay this is a uh, television job that's all i'm gonna say that's all i'm gonna say um and lastly donald trump's golf outings how much has he cost Remember that story a couple of weeks ago where he fake he literally fakes his score. Yeah. Oh, he's so he's so ridiculous. Anyway, his golf outing so far. Uh, this is as of May 23rd of this year, 2019, has cost 1.2 million dollars in extra travel and security expenses. 
This is according to a Huffington Post analysis, which uses figures from the Government Accountability Office. Uh, they show that $81 million of taxpayer money has been spent on the president's two dozen trips to go golfing in Florida. $17 million has been spent on his 15 trips to go golfing in beautiful New Jersey. And $1 million has been spent for him to go hang out at a golf resort in Los Angeles. In addition, $3 million bucks went towards his two-day trip to Scotland last summer, $1.3 million of which was just for the rental cars for those that joined him on the trip. So that's $102 bucks. this wonderfully fiscally conservative president and, of ours and that's not even including wasted. that's not even including in-game app purchases for of course. Uh, you know for candy crush or like buying he bought skins on Fortnite. oh you have to buy skins i on mean probably a million dollars just on hearthstone uh no apps i purchases i honestly don't understand the golf thing every president does it i don't understand it i hate golfing I got a $500 fine on a golf course when I was in high school. I'm never going back. Chipped the greens. I had to work at Wendy's to pay it off. Nightmare. I just don't get the whole freak. You can't just go to Mar-a-Lago if you want. I guess the golfing is part. It's all tied in there. So what, what's wrong with D.C.? I, could, I think if I was president, other than business trips, I would just stay in D.C. What, D.C.'s what, a great little place. What sport would you prefer Trump to play? Like Obama. What Obama did? Mm-hmm. Bring that basketball. Bring the basketball. They got a basketball court down there. And as we know from, again, the last room on the left this past week, basketball Ben Kissel, I'll, I'll go out there on the court. There's footage of you shooting and making a three-point shot. I know, buddy. I made three of I those. Shot, I shot that video. I know you did. Well, I you know, know you I, I actually started the golf team in my high school. There's nothing wrong with golf. No. The, the, I'm just my, saying. My point is it is a brain sickness to play golf because the okay. reason why I started – the golf team is because i played tiger woods 2007 got really good in that game mm -hmm. bought a lot of rolexes and and, and nike hats in that game right got and you. got it in my brain that i was good at this and that i was going to start a golf team that i was eventually kicked off of oh well they should have let you stay you started the thing no, who cares I, if you're horrible i whiffed it and eh, it's fine um, all right, everyone. Well, thank you so much uh, for listening. Um, let me know what you think. You can find me on Twitter at Ben Kissel. I dabble, dibble, dabble on that. I just try to avoid it because I looked at what was the story. Oh, God, I forget the story. It was something about Tarantino's new movie. I, I was like, this is too. I, oh, I, uh, I just Margot hate, Robbie. I hate the stupidity of the world right now. I can't. Like, there are real issues, folks. Let's not forget that. Game of Thrones and movies are not one of them. Um, so let's just try to stay focused, and I'm sure Jackie will cover that on her hit um, celebrity uh, podcast, Page 7 or something like that. The idea that know. movies aren't real is a very unpopular opinion. Is that unpopular? Yeah. Is that really become movies unpopular? Are, movies are real. I thought that they weren't, but uh, what do I know? I just watched John Wick yesterday for the first time. The, the first, first one. one? Yeah, and I did not realize the entire movie is him taking revenge because they killed his dog. Yeah, I thought you would be like the no, cheerleader was, for John Wick. It was the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And then at the end, he gets another dog. That's so right. So I just had no, I was watching it with Brooke, and I was like, like I was I was also playing Division 2, which I am like in love with Division 2. It's so good, playing on PS4. Um, and I was like, so did they kill anybody else? And they're like, no, it was just the dog. And <laughs> she's like, it's dog. just the dog. I'm like, it's just the dog? Yeah, his wife dies killed, before. But yeah. she wasn't even killed. Yeah, I was like, yeah. oh, I thought we were going to find out that she was murdered. And then, no, she wasn't. They just killed his dog, and yeah. he killed upwards of 150 people. I, I haven't seen John Wick 3, but I have to imagine there's some sort of dog militia scene where he oh unleashes, he lets the dogs out, and then they take their revenge. He is the best. 
damn, I, I can't believe I slept on that for so long. No one told me. It was just because he, he had to avenge his dog. It's so much better than Taken. What, they stole his daughter? This They killed his dog. Yeah, his hairy son. He had to kill everyone who worked in security. It's brilliant. Yeah. Great movie. Um, all right, everyone. Next week, I probably should have said this up top. I believe this interview is going to happen with MVP. He's a former professional wrestler. His name is Hassan, and uh, he's great. If you get a chance, uh, MVP, he was awesome. He still is awesome. And uh, we're going to talk about criminal justice reform. That's a, an issue near and dear to his heart. He's doing a lot of uh, he's doing a lot of activism <laughs> in order to uh, you know. Try to stop this mass incarceration we have, over sentencing we have in this, in this fine, fine country of ours. So we don't continue to, you know, be in competition to see how many people can we imprison, and still call ourselves the land of the free. Um, all right, everyone. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. Hail yourselves. We'll talk to you soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.